Occasionally, when you meet certain people with very similar interests as yourself, conversations can sometimes go astray. You start on one topic, and then by the end of your conversation, you're on a totally different topic altogether. That is exactly what happened with the previous episode titled Writing Short Fiction. Within that podcast, myself and Gabrielle, who is also a podcaster and short fiction writer, started out on task talking all about writing short fiction, but somehow that ended up becoming a topic about marketing the fiction as well. Since the podcast did run a little long, and it didn't really fit the topic that it was supposed to, I decided to split the episodes into two. The first episode did cover writing short fiction, but this episode is all about us rambling on about marketing. Welcome to the Fantastical Writers Podcast. I do have a podcast that I'm subscribed to and I listen to occasionally. It's, um, I think it's called the fantasy and sci-fi marketing podcast. But one thing that's often brought up is the fact that a lot of those writers who are self-publishing even, they've written like eight or nine books before anyone even starts to notice them. Wow. Yeah. So even self-publishing, it's not the first book that has been taking off for them. It's like a lot down the line that they even start getting noticed. Interesting. I've thought a few times about going the independent route. Um, it is so much marketing, you know, self-marketing that you have to do. And so I've often thought just with my life and the time commitments I already have and the financial commitments, whether or not that is a path I would go down. So I have a full two manuscripts, two different manuscripts that have fulls out with agents, but I just waiting, you know, everybody says, Oh, you know, six months is no big deal, you know, and that's fine. But at the same time, you know, you move on and you start writing other manuscripts and then it's hard to go back and keep querying the previous ones. I really think that at some point in 2020, probably about six months from now, if if those foals that are out, if neither of them get picked up, I might try a few more queries, but honestly, I think I might go the independent publishing route. And it's really funny. Somebody mentioned on Twitter the other day that they really like saying independent publishing more than self-publishing because it sounds, it legitimizes it more because, you know, self-publishing used to be the domain of like vanity presses or, you know, where it makes it sound like you're not as serious as if you say independent. I, I'm fine with either one. Like, I'm like, whatever, it's all just nomenclature to me. But I'm, I do think that in about six months, if I just haven't gotten more traction, I might go the independent route just because it's nice to get fulls requested and it's nice to go to conferences. But it's that is also a time commitment to keep querying and to go to the conferences and to connect with agents through other means as well as the, you know, the query trenches. And I just think at some point that amount of time that I'm spending, I might pivot towards independent publishing. But again, we just bought a house, we're getting settled in, you know, I think I would only do that when I'm between seasons on the podcast. And if everything else in my life is completely settled down, because that is a huge time commitment. Oh, yeah, because you take on everything yourself when you're self publishing, you have to figure out how to make the ads, like, because every ad you make for every website will be different. So like how to make the ads that fit for Facebook, how to make the ads that fit for Twitter, if you um, go on there. I know that a lot of self-publishers use BookBub. I've never done that personally. I'm actually not even really sure what BookBub is, but everyone always talks about BookBub. <laughs> so there's like, yeah, there's a lot of learning to do and then a lot of work to do. And you can't just 
do it, you also have to be pretty good at it. So there's a lot of learning if you want to self-publish because the marketing is just its whole own thing. It is its whole own thing. And a lot of people say that that is in and of itself a full-time job. And so I think that's why a lot of us shy away from it because, you know, personally, I'm not in a situation where I can just live off my writing or, or our podcast does not make any money. <laughs> like our podcast is still an investment. So there's, I still have to have my day job on top of having a podcast on top of writing the novels. And so to take on the marketing component is pretty intimidating from a time commitment perspective. Yeah. And it does cost money as well. Like people try to do it for free, but a lot of social media platforms are really taking the attention away from anyone who does things for free. Like if you post something on Facebook, it's really far down in the algorithms as compared to if you paid for it to be in front of the people, even if they're your subscribers or like followers on Facebook, what they see, the people who are paying it shows up more often and right at the start of their feed as compared to the people who aren't paying, it'll be way further down on their feed. So they're trying to force people into paying. So yeah, just going the free route just doesn't really work either. So people should know there is money involved as well. Yeah, there definitely is because you're right, going the free route, you're not necessarily reaching even your already built in audience that you've already worked for, you know. And one thing that I thought was funny is so we've done some paid marketing for our podcast and the returns aren't necessarily there yet. And so I go back and forth like with the return on investment, like if I get a handful of listeners for my marketing, on one hand, I'm happy. But on the other hand, I'm like, so was that worth it? I don't really know. But I do think practicing paid marketing on the podcast has really helped me understand the amount of work that would go into because it would be exponentially greater for a self-published book. But what was really funny, I don't know if you've experienced this or if you've dabbled in paid marketing at all, but we had an Instagram ad and a lot of the people who were seeing it were people who already followed us. And I'm like, <laughs> that's not helpful. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like I'm. I do want to reach people who are like my audience, but maybe not my audience already have. That doesn't feel like it's necessarily worth my money, right? Have you um, Have you done any paid marketing for your podcast at all? Um, no, I have not actually done it for myself yet because. I don't know why, but I actually do social media as a living for a honey farm. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So I do paid marketing for them. But for some reason, for me, I just, I don't know, do what I say, not what I do. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it, it is hit and miss. Like you can post an image on Facebook and Instagram and it doesn't do very well. And then you can post almost the exact same image, but with a slightly different color tint to it. And then it does well. Mm, that's interesting. That's good to know, actually. That's really interesting. What a lot of marketers recommend is doing like A-B testing. So it's basically two ads for the same thing, but perhaps one has different wording than the other, or one has a different image than the other. And then you kind of learn what method works best for your followers, like which style. Oh my gosh, that is so funny. Okay. The reason I'm laughing is uh, I don't talk about this a ton on social media, but my day job is uh, consulting, right? So IT business management consulting. And so we have some clients where we consult with them on their brand marketing and their marketing communication strategy. And so same thing, we talk about A-B testing all the time in my day job and I have, I've never really thought of applying it to this and now I feel kind of dumb to be honest. <laughs> Well, it's funny, right? Like, because like at work, I do it at work. I'm like, I have things scheduled every day and I'm very like on the ball and then I get home and it's like time for my own marketing and I'm like, I have nothing. 
It's so funny. <laughs> I was just because I was like feeling all smart, like, oh, I've tried this and I've tried that and I leverage everything and, you know, whether it's my day job, blah, blah. And clearly I'm not. I'm not even thinking about some of the stuff I learned in my day job. Yeah, I don't know why, but marketing is way easier when you're like the outside perspective, <laughs> like when you're doing it for someone else. And then when you do it for yourself, <laughs> you just blank. <laughs> That's so funny. But, you know, I do think it's helpful that, you know, because I'm sure that if you ever went the self-publishing route or I have to say I have to remind everybody and you know this too because you hear it and probably say it all the time too a lot of people tell you even when you get traditionally published you are still having to self-promote they will pay for a certain amount of promotion and marketing but you as an author still have to do a ton yourself not as much as self-pub mm -hmm. but more than people think right mm -hmm. so having the experience of having a podcast and promoting yourself on social media is so good because you are building that muscle and you're learning from it but you know the work that's involved either way. Um, one of the things that I did was I created a, a pen name author on Amazon KDP and I published a couple throwaway short stories. And so the reason I did that was because I wanted to see if I did go the self-publishing route with a full-length novel, how much work is involved in terms of uh, interfacing with Amazon's algorithms as well as marketing it. And uh, yeah, I make maybe a dollar a month on these short stories. <laughs> and so, but that's such a good experience. And so I would encourage people that, you know, whether it's stuff in your J job that you're not sure is helpful. Like we just talked about AB testing. I'm like, oh my gosh, that would be so helpful. Or if like you and I were novelists, but we also have podcasts. And so we get to experiment a little bit. I would say if people have the opportunity to test things out, right? Like in something that isn't as high stakes as the novel that they've poured their heart and soul into and test out marketing and see what's involved in that just so that when you're ready to do it for real, you've got those learnings under your belt and you're not surprised at the financial cost and the time commitment that it takes, whether you are going independent slash self-publishing or even, again, traditional publishing, all those authors that you see traditionally published who are still doing release parties and posting and touring, it's still a ton of work. And I just think everybody needs to start early getting practice for that work. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like Brandon Sanderson just recently came out with a book. And prior to the release of the book, and even now, he's been like everywhere. Like, all of my YouTube channels, pretty much that I follow, he's been like doing interviews or he's been tweeting like crazy because the publishers, like you said, will only take it so far. The marketing also falls into the hands of the writer. Yeah, a huge amount. And I think you probably follow Chuck Windig on Twitter. He's pretty popular on Twitter. Like he talks a lot in a good way. Like he's really, he just has a lot of really good content on Twitter. He was recently a speaker at 2019's DFW Writers Conference, which I love. is huge. Obviously, I'm in Dallas. Um, it's great. It's great that I'm in Dallas because I feel like we get such good resources here. Nothing like being in New York, obviously, but I still really <laughs> am blessed right, that I have that opportunity. So he was our keynote speaker. And one of the things that he talked about was just how much marketing is involved. So he's successful now. He's, you know, involved in the Star Wars franchise going forward and he is successful. And I think that he started out, I think he might still do a lot of self-publishing, but even though he's reached this like huge high level of success where he now has traditional publishing is involved in these huge franchises, he's still he's still speaking at the conferences because that's one of the ways you self-promote. And so I loved that he was 
just really transparent about how much work is involved in yourself as an author, as a business, because you are a business. And I just, a lot of us are like, oh, we just want to be creative. We just want to create. But the reality is you're a business and you need to treat it like a business and, and start building up that just mindset and the skills it takes to run yourself as a business. I mean, sure, as a writer, number one priority, sit down to write, get the words out on paper, right? But at some point, as you're learning your craft and you've matured in your craft and you realize, okay, now I'm, I'm ready. I've done a lot of the work to hone my writing skills and I'll continue writing. But then you start building in that concept of now I'm a writer as a business. I need to start thinking about what that looks like and what I can get involved in and how I can start showing up on different media channels and how I can start making a name for myself and, and start carving off enough time to do that as well. Well, yeah, and I'm not sure if it's true or not or if this is just one of those myths that's out there for writers, but I have heard, like I said, unconfirmed, that a lot of publishers for traditional publishing will actually look for authors that have a platform now already just because of that marketing aspect. Ah, that's true, because they want to know that you're a partner in your promoting of your book if they pick it up. And so, yeah, it's so funny because I'll hear such mixed things about that as well, right? Like I'll hear people say, you need your platform. And then a lot of people focus on follower numbers. And I have to say then that, you know, another set of people come along, they're like, doesn't matter, just write your stuff, write your stuff. Yes, writing your stuff is the foundation and it's not your following that matters necessarily. It's not the numbers that matter. It's how you show up on social media, the fact that you're willing to put in the work. So I, I really, I hate to say this and you can edit this out later if this is an unpopular opinion that you don't want to say, but you know, we run in the same writing community on Twitter and there's a lot of focus on those follower trains. And I would say enough with the follower trains. It's not about the follower count. It's about how as a writer, you can brand yourself and that you can show up and be a professional and that you can put in the hours. It's just like when you graduate from college and you want to get a job, they want to know what your work experience is that's leverageable into a job that you've never worked in before. I feel like it's the same thing with the publishing. Just like you're saying, they want to know that you can do the work. And so if you have a platform, it's because you've done the work to get it, not because you join a bunch of follower trains and you have a high follower account, but you don't have the social media presence or content that should support a large follower count. I hope that makes sense what I'm saying. Oh, totally. Like, um, I actually am guilty of doing those follower trains because I wanted to get over the hundred follower mark. And so I did it and I'm around sadly guys, cause I know that this is nothing compared to anyone else on Twitter. I have a thousand followers, but I'm like, wow, that's a lot for me. But the whole thing that I've noticed though, is I have a thousand followers, but they don't really follow me if you understand what I'm saying. The engagement. Yeah, like some of them, the people who I follow and they follow me, they're like hardcore romance writers and that is not my demographic at all. So I don't follow what they do and they don't follow what I do. We just follow each other for the numbers and not actually for what we're tweeting. So interesting. Yeah, that is so interesting. And congratulations on going over a thousand. That is a big deal. That is a huge deal. It <laughs> took me... It took me so long. I don't know how long it took you, but trust me, however long it took you, it probably took me 10 times as long to get over a thousand followers. And then it kind of snowballs after that in a way, because then the more followers you have, the more people talk about you and then you get more followers. So I feel like that a thousand is actually a really good tipping point where you do start to get more followers. But 
again, I want the engagement. I want to know that I'm putting out content that's hitting. I want to know that if I'm talking about my next podcast episode, because I'm excited about it, not just because I want the listeners, but because I want engaged listeners, if that makes any sense. I love it when people message me on Facebook or on Instagram. That's where I tend to get more engagement about the podcast more than Twitter for some reason. So I have like the higher follower count on Twitter of all my social media platforms, but the least engagement. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like um, with me, with Facebook, I have like zero people <laughs> so on there funny. pretty much, but Twitter just does really well for me for some reason. And I, I don't really get it. Like, it's just one of those things where it's like, everything seems to work differently for everyone else because a lot of writers I meet are like, Facebook is the way to go. I get no one on Twitter. And I'm like, what? How? So funny. That is so funny. And maybe it has to do with the age of the demographic as well, just because Facebook has been skewing a little older. Twitter is about mid-range. And then younger audiences obviously are all over Snapchat and Instagram. And that's Snapchat, by the way. Totally impossible for me. I cannot get the hang of Snapchat. But if my novel audience is young adult, all that work I've put into in Facebook over the last 10 years is nothing for me because that is not my audience you know mm -hmm. you got to meet them where they are and for me I think maybe that's why I've just gotten more more traction on Instagram is just because I am looking for that younger audience on the podcast you know I think anybody it's not an age range it's more of a, an interest level but with my novel work since you know do you write adult or young adult I actually don't know what you write for your novels young adult yes you do you do why yeah and so and I don't I don't know how old you are. Am I, is it okay if I ask that? <laughs> I'm 28. You're 28. Okay. So yeah. And so you're, you're definitely much closer to that target demographic than I am. I'm 44. And so I, I often. Oh, wow. Like, yeah. <laughs> so I don't I, know if it makes you feel good, but by your voice, I cannot tell that. <laughs> really, yeah. People do tend to think I'm younger than I am, partially just because I have such young interests as well. And I'd say that it's helpful that I have nieces and nephews just because I do get to run my young adult fiction by them. But I also get to see what they're what tools and apps and things they're engaged in. And so that actually helps a lot in terms of trying to connect to an audience that's significantly younger than I am. Oh, it totally makes sense. Like if you're trying to write young adult characters and you never have any sort of engagement at all with young adults, your work's going to sound very dated very quickly. Yeah, very dated. And, you know, even if you nail the voice, the fact that you're not talking about problems that are real problems for them, like just being literally a generation or two generations removed too, actually, you know, being aware of the problems for your target audience, the things that they care about and how they're relating to the world. So important. So important. Yes, I definitely agree. <laughs> okay, well, thanks for letting me talk to you today. This has actually been really fun for me. Yeah, we, we covered a lot of topics, actually. <laughs> so where can people find you if they're interested in finding more about your works and anything else? Excellent. Thank you so much. So the podcast itself, if anybody wants to start listening, uh, we're Stories in the Dark, and you can find us on any podcast streaming forum. So we are on basically everything, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, they've rebranded it, Google, anywhere, just anywhere podcast. And then on social media, you can find me at Gabrielle uh, on Twitter. I think my Twitter handle is actually Evil Kitty Gur with two R's. That's an Evil Kitty Gur. <laughs> yep, you're right. <laughs> with two R's. <laughs> with two R's. 
I know you're laughing at me. It's so funny. So yeah, I've been on social media way too long. <laughs> but that was my old video game name is actually where that came oh. from. Because I'm a gamer. Well, you can tell it's older because you don't have like a lot of numbers at the end. <laughs> yes, exactly. And that was after I changed it a few times. And then on Facebook, I've got an author page, Gabrielle S. Awe. And then we also have Stories in the Dark. And then we're on Instagram. Uh, so I'm on Instagram as Evil Kitty Gur, but our podcast is on Instagram as SITD podcast, I think. Uh, same. If it'll help, I can send you links after this. But yeah, so we're on all socials. And then the podcast itself is on all streaming apps. Um, and then I think that's it. And then I'll send you the link if you, I don't know if you post a lot of links, but I can send you the link for the short story as well. It's on Uncanny Magazine. I think that's what it's called. I can post as many links as you'd like. <laughs> Okay, great. So I'll send you some links after this. But yeah, and I just really love engagement. So I would love it if anybody wants to chat at any point, whether it's on Twitter, DMs, uh, Instagram, or on Facebook. I love hearing from people. And just I just really love it that we're in such a connected community because I think that we all help make each other better. So I really appreciate that that you reached out and that you give people an opportunity to have these conversations. I think it means a lot. Thank you all for listening to us ramble on about marketing. If anyone has any questions or would like to make any suggestions for this podcast, the best place to reach me is on Twitter. And my Twitter handle is at Cheyenne underscore author. I am also on Instagram at Cheyenne Murray and Facebook as well. Please don't be afraid to chat with me or even just to say hi. I am rather shy, but I do enjoy meeting new people. Thank you again for listening and happy writing. The intro music to this podcast was made by D.D. Mizek from freesound.org and the break music was by slacking underscore 97 from freesound.org. As always, all of the links will be in the show notes. <laughs>